Started off in the Gore, man. Came over to the music space. Now I'm using those same systems and I'm going against the corporate structure and using the systems that they use, but nobody else should know about it. And I'm teaching the independent guys how to do it and I'm monetizing. So you create a lot of enemies, man, when you independently can do what the majors do. I always had a big, big ideas, big budget. And I went hard, man. And I went big, Otto. I think getting the biggest billboard in New York City, Times Square, and the Clear Channel thing rubbed a lot of people wrong. But this is what I'll explain to you. Clear Channel owns 80% of all the radio stations. At the time, they also own iHeart. In the music space, they got something called payola. Payola can put you in a federal prison if you do it the wrong way. In the music industry, they call it advertising. The major labels have partners that advertise, so they go and they promote their artists. And what I did is I spent a lot of money with Clear Channel. Then they were... Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Otto Gomes Crypto Show. My name is Otto Gomes, your host, and today I'm excited to announce a interview that came from a reel I made that uh, was talking about how you can <laughs> find the, it's about finding the, the gaps of opportunity with Spotify. I mean, the music industry is just insane, but his name is Chad Focus Arrington. Uh, Chad Focus, right. CEO of Focus Music Entertainment and president of Focus Music and uh, Univers Univer University, born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Known for starring in Vice TV's Black Market Season 2, Rage Against the Machines, hosted by actor Michael K. Williams. Focus is a six-time Billboard charting artist, social media consultant, marketing, and an advertising expert who bounced back from a federal prison sentence to inspire others to attack adversity head-on unlock their inner entrepreneur and defy the odds. Chad, thank you, brother, for joining and being a part of this. I appreciate it. All right. All right. My guy, I appreciate you, man. What's going on, Otto? What's going on, man? Uh, everything is going on. You know, things are happening. And um, yeah. every day that goes by, I'm always looking for what's, what's the next loophole? What's the next, you know, where? because yeah. it feels like the, the normal thing like to do the normal thing, to do the nine to five, to do the, the things we were taught and normalized has just gone out the window and we need to start yeah. to strategize and gamify. <laughs> but, but yeah, what's, what's, what's been your journey? Tell me about your journey and how you got to this man. point, man. You know what? I put it like this, man. I think coming from, uh, coming from good stock, first and foremost, man, I always like to say, I appreciate, you know, my upbringing, man, extremely close knit family, bro. Uh, mom and pop, man, raised me really well. My house was a nurse auto. So uh, here in Baltimore, man, think of Johns Hopkins, Sinai Hospital, Greater Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Medical Center. So mom's is in that space, man, medical world. And then uh, my dad, man, he was an entrepreneur, bro. First uh, business he had was a construction company. And then second business, he went into the physical therapy world, man. So he's always been somebody that kind of like took life by his own horns and figured out his way to get it done. They emphasize education, man. They always emphasize, you know, independence. And then, you know, being an entrepreneur, it kind of came second nature. So I took both routes, man. I went to academic space, man. I went to college, graduated. I hopped into the corporate America world, man. And then, you know, eventually I transitioned to doing business for myself, bro, and taking that skill set and, you know, finding my own way. And uh, now today, man, with uh, social media and platforms such as, you know, Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and then, of course, 
you know, we talk about the independent artist space, man, your Spotify, Apple Music, Hulu, Vice TV, you know, platforms like that, being able to do storytelling, man, and also monetize your art, you know, the sky's the limit. And so um, I sit down in that space, bro. I, I appreciate the position that I hold, especially in the urban community, being one of the, the few guys who have had success in the corporate, you know, marketing and advertising world. And now independently, bro, it's my own brand and my own entity. So just extremely blessed, man. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad to be here. Like I said, on the platform with you, man, we're going to have a good time today talking about, you know, you know, how we get here, man. And what's next? What What would you say was first for you? Was it music or was it the business things? The business oh, always, 100%, 100% business, man. 100% business. I literally was uh, listening to a podcast, man, a couple of hours ago. And uh, it's a young producer, man. He has like a dope uh, YouTube following. He talked about how most creatives focus on the car, you know, the art and the creative form first. And then guys like myself helped them to kind of understand that the business is the most important aspect because that's what we're all in, right? These platforms monetize off our likeness. These are digital assets. And I think that some of us have been ignorant to the fact that it's a business for the guys that created these platforms, right? So Facebook started off as a, a way to, you know, connect, you know, people that were in different college institutions and immediately it was monetized where it was like, look, we got an advertisement aspect to this. The entire platform is based off of advertising, right? Mm -hmm. All of the social media platforms are based off of advertising. You look at what Elon Musk has done. He purchased Twitter and acquired it and paid way more money for it because long-term, look at the media platform he has to get his message across and to also dictate where marketing dollars are spent or advertising dollars are spent. So that's been, you know, my key, bro. The entire world is based off of advertising products and these different vehicles that we use to get messages across to, you know, promote products. And um, I've never seen anybody coming where I'm from that looked like myself that emphasized this or spoke about it and articulated how important it was. So I was like, you know what, I got a void to fill. And um, that's just been my space, man. Um, I was one of the young guys that went to a lot of conferences coming up. I don't, man. I'm talking about Alex Becker, man, Grant Cardone, uh, Gary V. I was one of the young guys, like I said, that was at these spaces trying to learn what was next and to be on that forefront, right? Let me see what social media looks like before it becomes what we're looking at today. Let me figure out AI. I've been in the AI space, man, since 2007, right? So taking softwares, writing scripts, doing automation, figuring out programming. That's how I spent my spare time. I did a lot of fun things like playing sports, man, and playing, you know, piano and being into that space. But technology's been you know won my way out and it's also been my passion same 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 uh i came into the blockchain space crypto in 2012 and that started yes. opening me up to all the other resources and tools that were available to start you know okay. creating more money outside of these normalized systems um I, something yes. i always something i always say that <laughs> is a reminder for people using anything online is use it intentionally. Like if you don't use the tool intentionally, the tool will start to yeah. use you. You become the product. Uh, but you're a, you're a great example of this because you've you've yeah. take, you've gone into the next level of utilizing these tools. But yeah, yeah. What's your thoughts on that? I, you know, it's funny. I was bro. When you say that word intentional, I think everything in life should be intentional, right? Like from dating, from relationships, right? From waking up in the morning in your routine. I've always been an intentional person, bro. I'm I'm extremely efficient. I'm I'm not I'm not a wasteful individual, and um I truly do live, man. Like I said, my upbringing, man. Mom's always told me to appreciate every day like it was your last, man, and and truly appreciate it, and live it to the fullest. And um I don't take that lightly, right? So this 
And this is the last interview, the last time I get to sit down, I want to make it extremely effective and extremely productive. If this is the last time that somebody wants to see Otto, is he putting forth his best effort? So I'm truly appreciative, man. Like I said, and graceful and, and gracious of one your time and your platform, bro. And I'm, I'm I'm trying to approach that and that intentional word that you say, man, that's that's what my brand's always been about, bro. I've never done anything with any wasted emotion. Everything has always been trial and error and trying to figure out how to get to the next day, man, and continue to push forward, bro. It's the, it's the only way. <laughs> it's literally yeah. the only way. How else Facts. are we going to learn if we don't fail first, you know, to be able to there see, oh, I put my hand on the fire. <laughs> it burned my hand. I will never do that again. Okay. How fast, how fast can we <laughs> fail and how fast can we learn and make the correct decisions, right? So that's been my pivot, man. It's been always trial and error. And I think that's the hardest part. Most people, the difficult part is starting. My difficult part is stopping. It's like, all right, man, look, we got it. And you know what I'm saying? Take your time, scale up now. So there you go. Have Have you had difficulties? Okay, so let, before we get into that, let's let's talk about. I was going to talk about censorship, but let's talk about Spotify. Okay, I'm okay. so curious about this because I found your <laughs> I found an interview you did where you started yeah. break, breaking down the numbers, and it made sense to me. I was like, wow, he yes, found, he totally found a nice little gap of opportunity and and benefited from it. But tell me, tell me, how did you? Uh, what brought you to do that, and how did you find yes. that out? This this would be funny. So look, a little backstory. Um, I, I get out of college, man. I went to McDaniel College here in uh, it's Westminster, Maryland. My first job, man, in corporate America, I was working for a company called Agora Financial. So uh, this is like a big publishing financial house here in Baltimore. Huge, huge in the newsletter space. Huge in the online uh, uh, financial and investment space. And this company was competing against the Motley Fools and, and the Seagan Alphas and the MSNBCs and the Jim Cramer platforms of the world. And my job was this little SEO guy, search engine optimization, a, a little engineer whose job was to, you know, help them have visibility in the Google search engine for all these different investment keywords. And we're competing against humongous platforms that have major advertising dollars, right? So... The way that that worked is I had to figure out how much money was being spent on a PPC, that's a pay-per-click marketing, to bring in advertising based off of keywords that are what we call buyer keywords that help people want to invest into the products. Well, what I learned with Agora was, one, I had to learn uh, CTR, right? Your click-through rates. I had to learn cost per action, right? I had to learn, um, what's it called? The lifetime, you know, value of a customer. So I became... Uh, uh, obsessed with numbers early in my career. This is my early 20s. And the reason why that uh, 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 background of what we were doing is because once I learned that, that the lifetime customer was $500, my job was to figure out how I could make that client or that click become a subscriber for the least amount. And I say all this to say, when you look at platforms like Spotify and Instagram and YouTube and what they are today, they are platforms where you're trying to get uh, a, a, a fan or you're trying to get a subscriber or you're trying to get somebody who uh, a, a follower for the least amount of money right. and that's what advertising and marketing has always been for me because I take that background and that knowledge and that understanding when I seen what Spotify was which is now paying artists based off of the smallest percentage of what a stream is worth right so a stream is worth 0 .003 tenths of a penny now it's fluctuated up and down based off of how many subscribers they have to the platform and then also how much the shareholders value the platform. So we're looking at this art form, which is the music, and we're looking at the monetization of this music and what a stream is as a definition. That's one listen, one 30-second listen, 
that's worth 0.003 tenths of a penny. Well, I say, look, if we're getting 10 streams, we're getting 1,000 streams, let's start to break this down off of multiples of 10. If we're looking at 100,000 streams, right? So I'm like, cool, man, 100,000 streams is $300. That's a pair of Jordans. That's a BG&E bill. That's a light bill. That's a cell phone bill. I started to break down my campaigns as monthly expenses, right? So I was like, look, man, if we do 300,000 streams, man, I got $900. I can go live in this area, right? So I can pay my mortgage. Okay, if I do a million streams, that's $3,000. That's $3,500. So based off of the fluctuation of what was going on, and based off of what the stream value was in a dollar amount, I don't, sort of like what you do in the Bitcoin space, mm -hmm. I could build campaigns and strategies based off of the money that I felt that was necessary for me to live the lifestyle that I wanted, right? So if you're sitting down and I was like, Chad, look, I want to make $10,000 a month off my music. I can tell you that that's about three and a half million streams. I can kind of put together a budget to get those streams, you know, for you. So that's the marketing aspect. How can we get our records listened to? What kind of uh, uh, metrics? There's the advertising aspect, and then there's the automation aspect. To advertise and do a million streams is going to take about ten to twelve thousand dollars to organically do so. That's through your platforms like your Instagram ads, Spotify ads, Facebook ads. But then I learned that the major systems were building these automations, where they would go and buy computers and they would go and buy laptops and they would run automation, which was to listen to these devices, and a computer couldn't tell the difference early on. So they were able to qualify realistic streams that they were being able to pay out for, for much less than $10,000 to $12,000 campaigns. They were able to do this for $500, $1,000. So when everybody's talking about there's no money in music and that the margins aren't fair and that there's no ROI, you're looking at a young guy who kept 100% ownership of his music, who invested into the creation of it, took care of the administration, which is the publishing and the masters, and then created this entire advertising and marketing mechanism that he replicated from what the major labels were doing because of the experience I had from corporate America and what I had started off doing for Google and Agora Financial. So this is how it's 10 years of experience. You know, now we're monetizing Spotify the same way we did for Agora Financial and Google. Instead of them getting a click for $2 to bring somebody into their website for penny stocks or for Facebook stock or investing in silver, I was able to get that done for 0 0.002 tenths of a penny. So for a fraction of what it was costing them in a PPC world, I was able to also automate traffic, subscribers, and customers in that space in the financial world. You translate that over here to music. Okay, now people are spending, you know, thousands of dollars to generate a million streams. I'm able to generate a million streams for $500. Now, basically what I'm doing, Otto, is I'm turning $500 into $3,500, and I'm replicating that. And then I'm scaling up that system, and then I'm reinvesting. So now I have money, bro, that comes from the royalties. Now I can reinvest into the organic aspect of the marketing right. and build real physical human buyers and people that want to listen to your music. And these are also people that will show up to the shows. So I just had to figure out a way to create a system. And this system just happened to be one that the labels had initially engineered. You take a young guy like myself that's hands-on, that's in the trenches, and that has to do all these things for himself. And you become your own label. So get rid of a building of a thousand people and all the moving parts and become one person that does a thousand of those jobs. Use artificial intelligence before it becomes what you see today, which is chat GPT. I mastered that 17 years ago. And now here we go. Wow. Uh, you know, again, it, this whole story reinforces the importance of being aware of how the tool you're using works. 
because if yeah. you are aware of how it works and how it functions, you won't be the product. You won't be the musician that's trying to play their game or be even the investor. You know, there's like investors that invest into Spotify to speculate. That's still speculation. It's still externalizing that power. You yep. took the tool and the functioning of the tool and found the opportunity within it. That's amazing. Now, is yeah, that man. is that still like happening? Is that or did they close that off? Did they find it out and close? No, nah, it's you know what it is. It always evolves. So I will be honest. I don't like I said, man. I I come from the Bitcoin space just like you as well, bro. Like, you know, I I told you that when we uh we first got introduced to each other, when when Bitcoin and cryptocurrency was originally introduced, I remember when that was point zero zero one tenths of a penny. I remember when Bitcoin had no value, and now of course we see that it's hit highs of sixty seventy thousand dollars. You know, that's where we started off at 2008, 2009. So the systems have evolved, right? Now we got the Coinbase's and we got cash apps and we got different ways to exchange blockchain and we got currency exchanges and regulations and stuff like that. As it evolves, guys like myself and you, bro, we figure out how the regulations and what the rules and regulations are. We learn them, we master them, we apply them, and then we teach them to everybody else, all right? What we've seen now with Spotify is that these guys come up with all types of rules and regulations. All right, cool. What's a stream? What's not a stream? How long does a song have to be? What's the threshold? The threshold is now you need a thousand streams before we'll pay you out. Okay, cool. We don't want to have free plays and premium plays. We don't want you to use bots and automation. Well, guess what? The rules and regulations are different for major artists, which are a part of that system, and independent artists. And there's a reason why. The system was built so that they could monetize what happened with the digital revolution when they stopped going to CDs and vinyls and cassette tapes and it went from a physical standpoint of monetizing the music to now the digital. That's when your Sony's, your Universal, your Warner, which are the big three labels, they all invested early on into Spotify, right? And then Spotify invested into the distribution companies. So now if you're thinking about conflict of interest, it's right then and there. Who owns all of the music and who owns all the publishing and the rights of all of this music and who's negotiating what a stream should be? Well, it's the major labels. The artists have no say-so, right? Because they signed away their ownership to right. the rights of their music. So they don't even get to sit at the table for the discussion of what the negotiation should be, all right? Not only that, artists haven't been taught financial literacy and they haven't been taught business acumen. So they don't take their advances and go invest in the stocks of Spotify or invest in the stocks of Universal Music, Sony Music. Like a guy like myself is looking at it, and I'm like, I need to be a shareholder, I need to be a player, I need to sit in different ways so I can strategize what I'm doing. So it's now- it's Strategy diversification. I mean, that's- exactly. There you go. And so now what it is, Otto, is that as things develop, bro, I've taken a position as one, a shareholder. So that means that I get the understanding, I get the messages, I know the quarterly statements, I know what's going on as far as like regulations and what they're doing. And then I got the systems, bro, to keep up. And then I'm also an insider, right? Because if you guys built systems, and I was one of the original guys that you kind of built the blueprint off of, and you watched what I do when you took my data and technology, well, you also have to use me as a resource. So there's people in the inside of the industry that can't do what they do without shared focus. That's just facts. And as, like you said, we made mistakes. If I broke the threshold of the streams or I get you know, uh, or if I violated a term of service, people were able to watch me make mistakes and not do the same exact thing, even at the major level. So I'm also, bro, the guinea pig. And that's what allows me, bro, to kind of be in position that I'm not scared to do that risk. I've lost, you know, catalog that they've banned from different platforms. And then I got 
catalog that's been running and being promoted for the last 13 years. So I know threshold, I know volume, I know how to do what we will call um, 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 schedules of promotions. I understand what works organically. I understand what works in the AI space. And I'm continually to test. And I'm staying right here, you know, and in, in relevant in the space, bro, so that they know that, you know, I'm going to be here. And with a guy like myself, you know, as they get better, they need somebody like me to continue to push the envelope to continue to better their systems as well, right? So the one thing I remember my my uncle telling me is that, man, it's, uh, it's you want to have strong enemies in a, in a positive way, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah, yeah, if yeah, there yeah. is nobody pushing the envelope, is there nobody pushing you to be better, it doesn't become the Spotify of today, right? And so we started with the Napsters and the LimeWires, the guy who created Spotify, he had something called uTorrent. So he used to be somebody that used to go and take artists' music and put it on the internet for free, right? He was a pirater and he went and took that technology and now he monetizes it. And now they want to create the rules and regulations because they're on the right side of the game. Nah, bro, it's a lot of manipulation. And so I'm just, it, you I know, mean, intelligent enough, it. bro. I mean, yeah. I heard, it, I heard it recently. Um, it was Snoop Dogg, I think. I think you actually posted on, his, on your stories. <laughs> where he he got awarded a billion streams on Spotify and got paid what forty thousand forty five thousand dollars it it was what he was saying is that I got a billion streams and I made less than a million dollars right and so what he this is, this is also it's two it's a two parts of that conversation Otto when his publisher calls them and tells them that you made less than a million dollars for a billion streams we got to understand that first a billion streams on Spotify is between three million to four million dollars all right cool. If you look at the percentages that the distribution get, they probably get 10%. Now we have to go and look at his publishing deal, right? So do you get, you know, 50%, 40%, 30%? When he says I got less than a million, to me, that means that the contract you signed means that you retain less than 17% of the net profits of what a billion streams brings in anyway. Because you now sign a publishing deal that gives you less of the pie. So what does that contract look like initially of what you signed over as your rights? As I've been working with these artists in the industry, some huge, huge, big, big artists, they're getting the smallest piece of the pie because they had to sign off their rights to become famous, bro. It takes a lot of money to invest in these guys getting, one, the PR they get, touching the platforms they touch, the advertising dollars, the marketing dollars. So that's what goes into creating these stars. Your Michael Jacksons, your Britney Spears, Beyonce's, takes millions and millions and millions of dollars to make them who they are. And if the label recoups that money based off of just album sales, it's really not a lot of money left after the pie. And they're not going to share that with the artist because they're trying to recoup off of all these investments. Wow. Interesting. I didn't know those details. That's interesting. And it makes sense. I've, I've heard it from so many friends of mine in the music industry where they feel like what you're describing, like not in control of the amount of energy that they're putting out to making the music and the amount of energy that's coming back in doesn't it doesn't feel equal um and that's actually something that i've been talking about recently a lot because blockchain you know crypto can give us back that power it can give us back the ability to have direct ownership of our assets and be directly connected to the end user to the audience um but we're gonna we're gonna go into that a little bit more a little later i want to ask some more questions about uh your life your volume just went a little low on me Otto. oh can you hear me there Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Yep. That was my fault. I, I pulled down the, I thought it was too high. So I pulled it back down. Was, <laughs> no, you're perfect now. All right. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about crypto and, and here in a little bit. I have a few more questions. Yep. 
so what would you say, uh, what would you say is the future of music now when it comes to Spotify? Like when it comes to these platforms, are they just going to keep tightening Man. and tightening it? I mean, what's going to happen? Remember, you remember the days when I put it like this, uh, I, I just turned 36. I remember the days of AOL, right? I remember the days of MySpace. So everybody has their wave, right? And I think that Spotify is going to have this wave for 10 years. And then eventually there's going to be something that is more uh, 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 friendly to the artists that is going to eventually emerge, just to be honest with you. So that's why somebody like myself, I focus on catalog. I have also been acquiring a catalog of mainstream artists, which there are public sales where you can acquire these digital assets out of. You can buy Instagram accounts, Facebook accounts, TikTok accounts. You can buy the music publishing and compositions of some of your favorite artists. I don't care who they are, how big they are. There's a possibility of us investing the same way that we do crypto, the same way we do the stock market. That's exactly what goes on in the music industry. So I think the intelligence of the artist is going to go ahead and evolve. Guys like myself that come and speak on tons of platforms and be like, yo, I'm just a young dude from Baltimore that got a couple dollars and I'm a problem in this game, right? I'm somebody that has, you know, has made noise in this industry independently. I know that if one of you guys, one, bring somebody like me on your team, don't have to say it has to be me. There's other guys that have my skill set, that have my understanding, that can articulate. But somebody like myself on your team, somebody like myself consulting, as the artist, man, evolves their intelligence and their understanding of what they need to do out of the game's going to go ahead and evolve. They'll sit at the table and ask for technology that has to be advantageous for both of them. Um, I think right now, guys like Snoop Dogg speaking out is different because they've never done so before, but he's a big voice in the actual industry and in the culture. There's a new platform out here now, and it's called Even.Biz. What Even.Biz is that they've taken the Nipsey Hustle model, which is a hip-hop guy, Nipsey said, let's go direct to the consumer. All right, guys like myself and you, we understand that from a marketing aspect. We got our own click funnels. We got our own lead pages. We build relationships directly with our consumer. When the artists start doing this, Otto, and start bringing you directly to their websites, they start creating their own technology for the streaming, their own technology for deliverability, their own technology for you to be able to get music ahead of the time before it goes on the music platforms, they'll start to create their own leverage. So this new platform, even.biz, is an offer-based platform. That means that an offer will be set by the artist for the lowest amount they'll accept for their artwork, and then you can pay them as much as you want to. I just watched guys this week, man, sell albums for $1,000, $150, $250. And what even.biz allows you to see is the equivalent of having a small fan base that really supports you, how that can be monetized versus the streams. So I watched a guy get 100 customers, spend about $3,500, and like I told you, that's a million streams if you look at Spotify. Imagine having a thousand fans and making the same amount of money you make over here with a thousand sales a year versus 12 million streams. And when Dude, they start I, to look I, at those business models, game changer. I, I've done that math. It's like, you don't need many people to make consistent passive income. Like if you have music or products that you can, you know, services that you can put, provide, it's like 50 people, yeah. 50 to hundred people and Man. you get a solid following. I don't know. The information that me and you sharing, but like I said, I, I love what you're doing. I love your funnel. I love what you're, you're teaching the people. I read the first time I came to your page, I read what you said. Like even the post that you had about me was like, look, you see, this is one way to, to generate income. Whether you agree with it or don't, how you doing today, guys? My name is Otto Gomez and I've been generated $17 million. Go ahead and click CPA or CFA, whatever you guys want to put. You probably going to have AI initiate the chain reaction and send the messages like me and you both have a funnel that works yeah. for me myself bro i went on vice tv 
It's been seen over 100 million times, bro. It's gone viral over and over again. So the fact that you've seen it and you're in a completely different space, imagine what it's done for hip hop. Imagine what it's done for black culture, young marketed space in my in my in my culture. It's gone crazy. So my ebook, right? So my ebook, seventeen dollars, forty-seven dollars, thousand every month. I got my university. I got my click funnels. I got my go high level. It's set up on automation. I got a thousand dollars worth of information. I package it and make it a nine ninety-seven. I got pre-sales. I'm doing a thousand sales a year. That's a million dollars passive income. All I have to do is do interviews. Stay consistent. Stay on the you know what I'm saying the cutting edge of what's going on. Update my platform. And I got my Kajabi, man. I got my Schoology platform. I got ClickFunnels. It's like, I want my people and my friends, my family to understand exactly what I did. I took my expertise. We found ways to go ahead and communicate. We use our social media in different ways than just sharing pictures and family vacations. And we've built followings. And this is what we do, bro. Whether it's controversial or not, you know, we stand on our two toes or our 10 toes, as, as we should say, two feet. Look at what's going on, bro. The sky's the limit, man. So that's the space I'm in, bro. I'm doing it as a entrepreneur so for me musically wise if i want to release an album next year i i got fifty thousand emails i can go ahead and package it and make it not just an album experience i can offer some type of value for you to download my album or pay for my album and what can i give you on the back end so as artists start to realize the exchange of value they can offer to their clientele to their customer bases that's going to become the game changer it's the it's the consciousness bro more content like what you're putting out bro Oh, I love that. I love that. And that's exactly what I've been saying myself, man. It's, it's, um, what I've noticed is that, and you said it right there, the entrepreneur, we have to start to individually shift away from the employee mindset and go to this entrepreneurial mindset. And one thing yeah. I, I heard it in a podcast recently, I don't know if you know this guy named, uh, called Rory, Rory Vaden. He was on the Ed Linetti show. And I heard this podcast where he was talking about, um, we're shifting away from brands. It went from brands to personal brands, and now we're going to digitization of reputation, which means yes. like we have to start, we have to individually start to digitize or, or to create a reputation of ourselves that we control and not yep. one that is controlled by a central system. So like social media, sharing, you know, sharing the gifts that you have inside of you so that they can get to know you better so that they can go, yep. oh, I trust this person. What do they have to sell? <laughs> you know, and then they're a little this, bit more open. This is why this is dope. I don't know. Uh, I came home, bro. I've been home. And like I said, I offer a lot of services, man. I offer a lot of value for not what I say free. It's just an exchange, right? And what do people need nowadays? You say, you know, management, right? For their, for their brand. That's why I've been an SEO, man. People go where? They go to Google to find out who you are. You got the Google Knowledge Panel. You got Wikipedia. I started my own marketing agency 12 years ago where I offered those services for people, right? People need content editing services. Shorts and Reels became a big thing. People putting the captions after they come on the podcast, I started that service, right? Reselling services that, one, I've used, and I know that I can go ahead and say that, look, this is a great place for people to go. So that referral space and what I've been doing, man, is like the game changer for me. Because you're right, bro. Can you manage your own, you know, uh, uh, reputation? For me, look what I've been through. I've been through a fair case, right? The first thing that you see when you type in chat focus is the justice.gov. All right, cool. Either that is going to people turn people to dig deeper and be like, all right, let me see this guy's story. Let me go check these different mediums. Cool. Come to my social media. You got my narrative, right? Go to Vice TV. You got my narrative plus the entire story, right? You can go to New York Post. You go to justice.gov. You can go to Wikipedia. You got all these different places that you can find out about Chad Focus before we even speak and engage. And then you can come directly to the source. So that's where the game has changed, right? And I'm blessed, man. 50 podcasts since I've been home. 
hard questions, tough questions. Some people ask me things that are not fair. Sometimes people ask me really dumb questions. Sometimes people ask me really great engaging questions. I'm able to use all that content and create my own story, my own narrative, and then use that then to build my own audience. So I've turned people that were not fans of Chad Focus into fans. I've turned people that were supporters. Now they're no longer supporters because I've spoken up on certain things that I think that yeah. people should be into, right? And it just comes with the territory. Yeah, when, whenever you're, when um, any individual, literally anybody that will speak their, what their opinion is and their truth and what they believe in, it's always going to, you know, attract some haters, people that are like not in agreement with your perspective, but that's a part of the journey. Yeah. That's a part of it. And yeah, you know, I, I love that you've been willing to really step into that and speak and, and talk about this stuff. And you are a great example of the digitization of reputation. Because you know you did go, you did have the issue with the with um, uh, a, a criminal case. Oh, actually, tell me tell me more about that. I actually didn't know how deep it was or what it is that you actually went through. Tell me about that case and what what happened exactly. Oh man, listen, when you, when you go through it, it's it's a horrible experience, right? Only thing I kept remember my mind was like, this too shall pass. I'm like, it can't pass faster. It's gotta it's gotta pass. So uh, I'll put it like this, man. Um, like I said, I was working with Agora Financial, bro. And if you uh, you Google them, you'll see some of the things that they were going through, right? We were in a financial news space, and I was able to create a system where they were able to generate a lot of leads, man, for extremely affordable. And it just so happened that their customer basis was older folks, man, between 55 and 75 that had retirement money and wanted to invest in these products. Mm -hmm. And you've seen what happened with the Bernie Madoffs, the people that you know create the Ponzi schemes, man, where you invest in this money and they pay back prior investors with the new investors' money. Mm -hmm. And um, those were some of the different type of products, man, that Agora really pushed. And not to say the company was all bad, but I understand how marketing works and I understand how direct sales works. And the goal is a dollar and it's not really about the client, right? And as I worked for that company, man, my job role was to help them uh, uh, inflate one their popularity, but also to take and embellish things that weren't true. And that's how marketing works. You can't spend ten dollars and make five thousand dollars. And those were a lot of the products, right? You can't buy some secret diabetes cure that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And eventually, what happened was, man, Agora got hit with an FTC case, Federal Trade Commission, man, for stealing millions of dollars, man, from their clients. I was one of the young guys that had my own. American Express account with these guys where I was able to freely one build systems and then also do advertising. Well, guess what? I was also in what we would call the Wolf of Wall Street world where things that were entertainment based that we were putting towards the company card, that was okay before I wanted to transition to another company. So that's your baseball games, football games, those are strip clubs, those are renting the Bentleys, the houses, going to concerts, doing all the fun stuff, guys. That's all fine and dandy when you're with a company and you guys are on the same page. Those are what you call entertainment or business expenses. When you decide you want to leave and become chair focused full-time, music executive of your own brand, that's then called, you know, embezzlement, wire fraud, money laundering. However else it goes, bro, it can go bad for you. And uh, I had a falling out, man, with the CEOs of the company. We had a great relationship for eight years. The FTC case came, you know, and eventually all of my spends, well, not all of my spend, but a lot of my spend was seen as, uh, what they would call uh, not approved uh, expenses by the company. Yeah. And while they were hit with FCC case, man, I got hit with my wire fraud case conspiracy oh, at so the same they, exact time. So they, they separated from you and they say like, nah, he did that by himself. We didn't approve shit. He did, he did it by himself 100%. And this is why it's also genius. 
a lot of the things that we do, man, in this marketing space, like I said, it is great. They call it gray hat, black hat, right? White, I think white, hat. white hat is more so you're, you're legit advertising to the platform and receiving a lead. All right, cool. I'm the guy, man, that was able to use technology. And what we specifically did is we did, we, we automate what's called backlinks. Backlinks and hyperlinks are votes that help a website rank higher in a search engine. It's not something that's one ethical and it's something that's also against the Google's terms of service by giving me an American Express account and allowing me to put all of these systems and these automations in my own name. They were able to separate the company from the actual marketer. So now you have a way out whenever Genius. things hit the fan. So yeah. I'm the guy that helped them generate 500,000 leads for a couple million dollars instead of spending millions and millions of dollars for those leads. It just so happened those 500,000 leads helped the company generate over $400 million during the time I was there. Not only that, I signed a contract where I was supposed to get 10% of the back end. We never, ever implemented the correct tracking for me to actually know the money that I was making from the you know, conversions and from the lifetime customer. Me being a young guy, I was perfectly fine having an unlimited access to an Amex account, making my six, seven-figure bonuses, flying around the world, having a good time with my friends. And so they, you know, you know, they put the brakes on me and I learned a lot, right? I learned you should have attorneys that look over your contracts. You should have people that look over your NDAs, your non-competes. You should have people that look over your, your uh, American Express agreements when you go, you know, join these companies. Anybody that's coming in my position, a young dude, young black guy by himself, man, working at an extremely affluent company. I was the only one that looked like me. I didn't have anybody that could lead me, mold me. So the mistakes that you make and the things that you do, bro, come from the people that are around you. What I've seen the other CEOs doing, what I've seen the other managers doing, I was uh, kind of nurtured into that, right? I was kind of uh, uh, initiated into this lifestyle. And people ask me all the time, what did it feel like being a part of Gore? It felt like being the Black Wolf of Wall Street. If you see what Leonardo DiCaprio did, man, the initial initiation was him with Matthew McConaughey in the beginning of the movie, learning the ins and outs of the Wall Street game, learning how penny stocks and everything worked and then he evolved and took that off and created his own system so started off in the gore man came over to the music space now i'm using those same systems and i'm going against the corporate structure and using the systems that they use but nobody else should know about it then i'm teaching the independent guys how to do it and i'm monetizing so you create a lot of enemies man when you independently can do what the majors do i always had a big big ideas big budget and I went hard, man. And I went big, Otto. I think getting the biggest billboard in New York City, Times Square, and the Clear Channel thing rubbed a lot of people wrong. But this is what I'll explain to you. Clear Channel owns 80% of all the radio stations. At the time, they also own iHeart. In the music space, they got something called payola. Payola can put you in a federal prison if you do it the wrong way. In the music industry, they call it advertising. The major labels have partners that advertise, so they go and they promote their artists. And what I did is I spent a lot of money with Clear Channel then they were able to affiliate me and put me in an actual, you know, database for the music, which is called MediaBase. And not only that, when you advertise with huge companies, they put your money in an escrow account. Because I was in the credit card space, man, the money I spent with the credit card, I was able to get refund checks, man, from these big corporations. So you could put a hundred grand in the clear channel. You could get $50,000 worth of billboards. Three months later, you could ask for a refund. Clear channel cuts your $50,000 check. Now you cleaned your money the legal way. Wow. So I've learned all types of things in the advertising space that people have never heard or could never imagine. And they would never expect a guy like myself to want to have mastered it and, you know, learn to trade like that. Oh, I love that. You know, it, it's funny because like, this is something I've said often too. 
uh, we need to start utilizing the tools in our reality, regardless of how we feel about them. Because like, just yeah. because a tool has been used for evil, doesn't mean the tool is evil. <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. It, it's about using it to, uh, to strategize is using it, you know, in a, in a sense of, I'm not using this to hurt, to destroy. I'm using this to grow and to benefit, Yeah. you know? And I think that's the most important key is like really letting go of the emotional aspect of it. That's going to, you know, stop the flow. Um, this learn is the great. right way, the wrong way, man. Yeah. You learn the yeah. right way, the wrong way, idols. So, you know, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, what would you say is, um, yeah, here's my next question. Would you say that you've had any, sort of censorship about what you've been talking about like are they like oh he found it he found out how to do it block, <laughs> block him talk, stop talking it, 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 you know what um i put it like this if i was if i was lying i think it would be defaming it would be defamation i'm extremely candid and extremely honest bro yeah. and maybe that's to a fault so i haven't dealt with any censorship right there's certain platforms that the conversation that me and you are having would uh, affect their business model. Mm. So I might not get invited to mainstream radio to speak about how mainstream radio was manipulated and corrupt. Yeah, That wouldn't be in their best benefit, right? right? I'm a guy, like I said, I come from the advertising and marketing space. I understand the ins and outs. I understand the smoke and mirrors. So when you get the inner workings of the most important way to facilitate eyeballs in the world, which is advertising, you are a threat. And you got to understand, me and you are able to really go direct to the consumer. I got my own advertising account. I've been doing Facebook and Instagram ads since its inception. So who is uh, better to understand the technology than somebody who independently does this, mm -hmm. right? Aside from a corporate structure. So I'm also uh, somebody that is putting people's jobs in jeopardy. If they can look at a young guy, take artificial intelligence, you can eliminate an entire department of folks, you know? So that's that, that part. Right. And when I was working, like I said, man, uh, with Agora, bro, they had big editorial departments. Um, they had writers and editors. And I remember that they were churning out 20 articles a day and, you know, you got to write it and you got a pre-editor and then you got a master editor and they're in there all day long. And I was creating 300 articles a day with AI in 2011. Every last one of them edited perfectly, grammar correct. And because of the output, that's how I was able to help them rank in the search engines as well for words like cryptocurrency and penny stocks and Alibaba stocks and how to buy silver, because it's not only a quality thing, it's a volume thing. And when you're competing against your seeking alphas and your MSNBCs and your Yahoo's, which are huge titans as far as the publishing and editorial space and your a small business in the financial world, you're going to need some type of automation, some way to type of scale up without manpower. So I was able to do the output, man, 60 times of what an editorial department making $10 million a year could do, which is me and a laptop and some software that costs $200 a month. Uh, man, it, uh, I've often said that the, we have the tools and resources to start to eliminate a lot of these third party officiators, third party um, uh, registrars, call them whatever you want. I've actually yeah. been recently, um, uh, getting a lot of pushback from my payment processor. So, you know, I talk about crypto, I talk about blockchain and yeah. who is it eliminating the, the pro the payment processors, the banks. 
And so yeah. I've, I've actually personally been having issues with them. Stripe is holding my money for, uh, they just announced it to me. They're going to hold it for 60 days. And Wells Fargo, when I deposit money in there, they're holding it for five days. You know, it's crazy. I always wanted to ask you about, so look, this is, this is a real conversation. I got Stripe, right? I have, to be honest with you, I don't know, I have a 0% refund rate because I'm, I know what I'm offering and to who, and I'm extremely clear in my sales letters and my documentation, like, this is what it is. This is what you are getting. You are getting a Whopper cooked, eat it. That's it. Don't return it. Don't bite it and then return it. Like, this is what I'm offering. I'm straight up. So for me, Stripe holds the money for like 90 days. So I'll get like 75% and then they'll hold another 25%. And to have a track record for years and still not to have any wiggle room, I'm like, all right, cool. That's no good for me. I got PayPal. The fees are out the wooza. That's that's not good for me. I like Zelle, but I can't maintain it with my accountant. How do I get this done? So I got to go to your truest and you got to move with your first nationals. And it's all these things you got to diversify. And of course, man, like I said, you got your Coinbase's and your your, your cash apps, but sometimes the volatility of the going up and the down is hard for me. And then the capital gain. So it's so much stuff, bro, that I understand we're trying to overcome as an entrepreneur. And we just want to be people that make money and take care of our family. And it's like all these hoops we got to jump through is absolutely bananas, bro. And people don't have these conversations enough. That payment processor, bro, is a mug, bro. It is. This is it, not. It's so this unbelievable. is. You gotta, like I've, I talk about this often. And so I'm always connecting with people on social media and interviewing people yeah. and asking these exact questions. And I'm telling you right now, it's as if they've increased the, the tightening or like, or uh, here's a better way to say it there. They've added more friction to you having yeah. access to your money Yeah, in all, in all yeah. ways. Like you go to, go to an ATM right now and try to take out a thousand dollars. I'd be surprised. Impossible. <laughs> yeah. Impossible. Bro. I got to call. I got to call up to be like, y'all got it. Can I get my money? Money market accounts is trash. This is what's funny. So a lot of the people I work with internationally, they only accept Bitcoin. So I always had to make sure <laughs> I had awesome. Bitcoin. <laughs> I have I haven't been in the investment space of Bitcoin since Dogecoin, right? That just hasn't been my thing. And but I always have to keep a couple thousand dollars in Bitcoin to transfer at any given time to take care of you know certain transactions and service-based stuff to get done. So that's can, that's can that's I share like can I share yeah. something up? Can I can I can I give you a simplified explanation uh elevator pitch that i believe will give you a shift in perspective of blockchain and because you're of so course. good at finding the opportunities like the gaps of opportunities i think it'll resonate i think it'll really land um so think of it like this most people and i think i said this a little bit earlier but like most people come into crypto and they compare it to what they're used to so they go stocks commodities crypto and then they speculate they buy it, they trade it, they, they do all the same things that you do with stocks and commodities. That yeah. is a game you can play. You can play that game. You know, there are people that are really <laughs> good at playing that game. I don't like it. It's stressful. Um, yeah. I'm more about utilization. So when you use blockchain rather than speculate with it, and when you use it, you have to know the fundamentals. You have to, like what you said, like know how Spotify works. Learn about all the layers because then you can start to game it. And so what I, what I always say is like utilize blockchain. And the example I give is, you know, in the real world or in the mainstream world, public sector, banks can do products and services that you can't because they have a license, right? They can yep. lend, they can borrow, they can fractionalize and they can liquidity provide. There's like literally a huge list of things that they can do that you cannot do. 
in yeah. blockchain, we now have access to the same products, the same services, and because and we don't need a license because it's a global unregulated market. And so when you utilize blockchain, when you take Bitcoin and you actually start to utilize it, the, re the returns, uh, because you're in control based on your strategy, you can make 30, 40, 50% a month. I mean, wow. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you right now, they have a uh, platform called unchained.com. This is not an advertisement. I just use it and, I've, <laughs> and it works. Uh, unchained.com, you can go in there and you can create, uh, once you apply and you get in, because they, they've created a, a chasm for the public sector. They're, they're structured in the private sector. But when you gotcha. go in there, you connect your wallet and then you can create a smart contract to lend money. And so like, let's say you have a one Bitcoin, you want to lend it at, uh, and I've seen this before, 10% uh, for seven days, right? 10% for seven days. You will get a thousand people around the world that will bite at, like they'll nibble at your contract yeah. until it's all gone. And then for those seven days, you'll get the 10%. There are people around the world that are willing to pay that because they have hard, they, they don't have access or easy access to Bitcoin. So they go to these decentralized wow. exchanges for that. So imagine repeating that three times a month and you get 20, 25% easily. That's unbelievable. So there's Is all there, these, it's a utilization. It's a utilization where they, the real money's at. They brought me in and I'm gonna tell you this, I didn't understand quite what they used my system for. So I had some guys that were doing the NFT and they wanted me to stream the NFT for them and they would give me the proceeds of whatever value they were creating with these NFTs. I had no clue how it worked. I just know my system to do whatever people need them to do. You get what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. NFT, I, I understood how that aspect worked a little bit. I'm definitely more open to hearing exactly like, like I said, I, I read a, uh, I read your uh, caption. When you talked about the 17 million, I've seen it. But in, in my space, right, this is how the Dogecoin thing worked, right? We were on Reddit. I got some weird Reddit friends and people that go and create controversy around stocks and stuff like that. So when Dogecoin was a thing, before it like blew up to 68 cents, you know, we were stirring up controversy on social media, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and got people around it. And of course we sold when we knew the stock was about to dip. And I also didn't like how some of my friends got in late and was like mad because they couldn't get their money in the, you know, the right way. I'm really interested in what you're talking about as far as like ways to loan out and build contracts. So is that what your platform is like, Otto? Is that what you do? You kind of take people through the basics of that strategy and understanding like stuff from the start to finish? Yeah, I try to do two things, really. I try to first shift perspective or help them let yeah. go of their beliefs around the monetary system. That's a big one. Yeah, that's sure. like yeah. that's most people limit themselves just in general because of their beliefs around that system. Um, but I help you disseminate that. And then I introduce my perspective of blockchain and this, this, these systems and what you can actually do with them and really go through the fundamentals, the basics. And then the other layer is your relationship to transactional energy. So, you know, a lot of people okay. talk about money and relationship to money. I believe money is just a tool. It's just a thing that we can use and manipulate. It's how we relate, yeah. how we relate to anything is how we're gonna experience that reality. And so like yeah, if sure. your relationship to transactional energy is a scarcity side, then all your actions will be more tight. You know, there'll be like yeah. um, all the things that create tightness in your flow. And so I try to teach yeah. like go into flow state, you know, there's a bunch of practices that you can do for that. Um, but but yes, at the end of the day, the, the, the bigger picture though is to recreate your perspective of reality so that you can start using tools like blockchain to create generational wealth, to build passive income, 
you know, to, to really build something that you truly are possession based owner of and not just like the legislation ownership. So you work on a mind, you work on a mindset and which is the most important part. Same thing I had to do, bro. It's the mindset for a lot of people. And that's a beautiful thing. Cause I understand even for you taking somebody like my mindset, you gotta be open, open-mindedness is the first place to start. And then allowing yourself to be humble to absorb like, yo, I might not know how this works, but I'm gonna stick with it. Yeah. And is this something that like your, your family and friends have like been open? Have, how has that been introducing this to the family and friends? Or are they like, I don't, it works so good. Just take my money and do it for me. <laughs> I get so, those calls every day, Otto. I get those calls every day. Yeah. Like, yo, just go, just take my song and stream it for me today. I'm like, yeah. okay, you know. Uh, well, I got into the crypto. So before I got into crypto, I was an accountant. I was uh, okay. nine to five. I was doing bookkeeping, tax preparation. I uh, did it for 10 years. And then I got into crypto. And I would say this was 2012, 2013 when I got in. And back then it was very difficult, not only because there was nowhere you could go to learn about the space, but because yep. yeah, my, my family, my friends were like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Stop throwing yep. your money away. You're wasting your time. And then, you know, I, I stuck to it and I, I did the work and then came around 2016, 2017. That's when the, that big run happened to um, 21,000, the first one, or I'm sorry. Yeah. It was, uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's what it was, yeah. It was uh, 15 to 16. It was like to 21,000 and then it all came back down for 2020. And then we had the, the run to 60. So you stay, you stayed in when it went, did you sell any when it went to like 60, 70,000 or do you stay put and just continue to? So, so I, I made the run, I made the run all the way up to 21,000. So the first run okay. we had in 2017, uh, end of 2017, yeah. I stayed all the way through. I didn't sell anything. And then once we started yeah. hitting that top and I started feeling the sideways movement, I started to sell and diversify. I mean, I was kind of doing that on the way up. I was trying to like, yeah. every time I would get a 50% gain, I'm like, ah, <laughs> take it, <laughs> push it somewhere else. And it was, it was like that. It was like in 48 hours, it would like jump 50%. Um, and then on the, and then, it, and then I struggled on the way down because it went from uh, when I went to 21,000, that's when I made the 17 million. That's when it was 17 yeah. million. And so, yeah. and then it started going down and then I, I had to learn the hard way how to, uh, mitigate or to, uh, risk manage. And that's what I yeah, never practiced. So I started learning how to manage risk and, and diversify and hold value. And, um, before 2020, I think it was like 2019, I got it down to like, it might've been like middle of end of 2019. It went down to like 1.2 million, like literally lost yeah. it all. It felt like, I mean, I had only yeah. invested 19,000. So I still felt like, ah, I made a lot of money. But... Um, yeah. I got you. I got you. <laughs> and then when 2020 came, I was able to re-diversify re because everything dropped dramatically. Yep. And in that re-diversification, um, I built it back up to around three and a half million now. I got uh, you. So, mostly... so you do like XRP and, and, all no, actually, uh, no. Uh, so, um, more than half of my money is in the stocks of the crypt of the projects instead of the crypto itself. Cause That's I was dope. like, I, I, cause I played the, I played the coin game. I played the currency yeah. game, the, the, the crypto game. And I yep. realized very quickly that I was like, Oh, this is, um, this is the most evolved version of money. So if you really not, don't have a good relationship to it, it'll, whoop, somebody will just suck it out of you and, and the value yes, will you. be gone. Uh, so I put it into the actual equity of the companies and so I have, like, I have stock in like four or five different crypto companies. That's, that's genius. Hopefully we'll do you sell. Still, 
That's genius, bro. Do you still do traditional investing in the stock market or is it just like I'm crypto man and I'm going to stay over here in this space and that 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 I've never I never invested into stocks or commodities before. My first even as an accountant. No. Crazy. No. Yeah. Cuz you know you Wow. So you're telling, so was your job to, your job wasn't, okay, so you weren't in the financial advisor where you're telling people like, look, get your Apple stock and yeah. No, 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 and, I was, I was, but, I was bookkeeping. So I was like helping people with their small business and keeping things in order. I was uh, preparing tax returns. So they would, you know, the individuals would come in, I'd be, I'd be the tax preparer for them. Uh, but when it came to like advising, um, like, you know, it, it, what to invest into, no, I never, never yeah. did that. How does how does the crypto world work as far as like the taxes and whatnot? Is there like different laws, legislations, or is that stuff not applied yet? Or is it good, bad? Like, how do you feel about all of that? Because that's like an unknown territory. Yeah, that's a great, great question. So this is my understanding of law and legal. There's two jurisdictions. There is the public sector, public jurisdiction, yeah. which is legislation, legal. And then there is the private sector, which is based on law. So legal law, and that is uh, for living, breathing men and women. And that is the, um, um, you know, this is uh, the, the public sector is the is for non-living registered entities. The, the private sector is for living, breathing men and women. And so there's this mm -hmm. distinction, you know, it's called privacy laws. You've heard of privacy laws, yep. right? So they exist. It's like USC um, 11th. 30, I believe, or 1136. Don't quote me on that. I it's probably way off, but it's around the privacy laws. And and so there's this there's this distinction in the two sectors. Public sector is IRS, it's the it's the governments, it's the police. That's the public sector. That is when you identify with the non-living entity, which is your ID. So that's a, a distinction a lot of people don't know. You can find all these meanings in Black's Law Book Dictionary or the Black's, okay. Law, Black's Law Dictionary is a dictionary that shows words that are used that have one definition in Webster's Dictionary, but in Black's Law Book, it gives you the meaning or the concept of the word, which is different yes. than the definition. And so in our reality, in the public sector, they use the meanings and the concepts when they use the words rather than the definitions, which, which, yes. is, a, which is a, it's called an implied contract. So if I were to walk up to you and use certain words that I'm using the meaning, but you're using the definition and you don't respond to, you know, to say no to it, that's an implied contract. You don't have to sign. You don't have to say anything and you agree to it. Yes. You have to, if you speak out, then you're, then you're cutting the implication. So that's, that re exists in reality. That's actually like why advertisements work the way they do. They, because they're sharing all the information. And then if you go and you buy it, you've agreed to the contract because you've, you've yep. done the action, the action of buying. <laughs> yep. um, so you, you, you know, if they're killing you, you're agreeing to it because <laughs> you're buying it. Um, so, so in the public sector, let's talk about that first. That's the IRS with right now with the government, they haven't really classified crypto yet. There's no classification of its status. So it, you know, is it a, is it a stock? Is it a commodity? Is it a security? Is it an you know a yep. property? There's no real determination yet. So uh, about two years ago, and it's been two years since they've been trying to figure this out. They said uh, we haven't figured it out yet. Just follow the rules of the road. You know, basically like figure out what fits in this specific ecosystem, and uh, you decide basically. 
And so really it came to the accountant to determine like, okay, this is, you know, let's make it this and this will be what it is for all of it. Um, one thing, one thing that I've worked with, uh, people before is calling it, uh, or, or, um, um, uh, 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 determining it or classifying it as a, as a, uh, as FIFO, as like, uh, you know, a property where let's say you buy one property and you sell it and then you get the, the, pro- the profits and then you buy another property with the profits. Yeah. That's a, uh, like kind exchange. So there's a form in, in uh, 1040, which is called 1031 like kind exchange. And so for crypto, as long as you stay inside crypto and you're exchanging with crypto, you defer your taxes. You don't pay any taxes until you cash out. That's fine. Gotcha, gotcha. And then when you gotcha. cash out, when you actually use the cash, then you start to you know look at how much you bought it for, the date you bought it for, and then how much you sold it for and the date you sold it for. Um, but in, but, in, then, but then in the private sector, here's the last part. So then in the private Ooh. sector, if you structure in the private, that's using uh, a foreign irrevocable trust. You know, that is uh, putting all your assets and what you own underneath express trusts that are owned by the main trusts. Um, all the flow of money, that, let's say you have a service or a product, you can create a, a, a private membership association, create a chasm with three documents. It's an NDA, uh, a community bylaws and membership agreement. And that creates the separation from the public sector to the private sector. That's it. Yeah, sure. That's the difference. It's just like, are you offering I'm... things to the public or do you have a contract that separates the service to the private? That's unreal. And so you basically, you, you get this community too. So they also rely on you for that kind of structure in the payout space too, right? And you kind of like mentor them in that space too and... Do you refer them to setting up their trust or do you provide this for them as well? Because now you're creating this financial, you know, opportunity for these people in this uncharted territory. So you're also the guy that's like, look, this is what happens when you make the money and this is what you got to do. And this is how I do it. You like, you know, the entire blueprint for these people (laughs) to transition from the real world to the matrix. So in in the course, they get all, you'll you'll get the whole thing. You'll get um, the- The full gamut. Yeah, you'll get the, the the information on the practical steps for blockchain. You'll get the information for the trust creation. Uh, we also have a, a partner that helps our students. Um, I don't know if you know about this. You know about discharging debt? You ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So there's no we call, it debt, we call it deletion, but I understand exactly what you're deletion. saying. Deletion. Yeah, because yeah, because you know people people say I got to pay my bills, and it's like you can't lawfully pay anything because there's no real money. You can discharge yep. debt with, with that, with that note, that promissory note. And so, right. When we start to, when we start to shift how we perceive the things that we're, we're using, we can start to see, oh, I can look at it from this angle and it, it it gives me all these other options instead of just looking at it from this angle that I'm limited. They think a, a, a tech nerd advertising kid that goes into the music industry is dangerous. An accountant that figures out crypto, I'm that, (laughs) That right there is more, uh, that, that's, that's X-Men. They call me an alien. That right there, bro, <laughs> that, yeah, my mind is blown out of, cause I'm already, cause I'm, I'm hearing how you're saying that you're diversifying and, and moving things around and your structures and stuff. And I'm like, bro, I used to literally sit in my room and this used to be like an office. I used to just write everything in here and all of my ideas, I couldn't sleep at night just trying to put it together and make it make sense. 
And when I built it for myself, I was like, man, I got to put this into some type of course. And just to hear you say it, bro, it's unbelievable because people not only want to know how to make money, but it's like, what do I do when I got the money? And then how you diversify and what's your scale up look like and what do you invest in? And then you really become, you know, a mentor. And so outside of that, you got a community of people, man, that you have to service. I want to know, Otto, how did, how did you see the video of uh, of us, you know, showing everybody how we were doing the $70,000 with the bots and the catalog and stuff like that? Like, how does that come across your uh, your, 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 your round table? I, I think I saw it on Reddit. Um, I ha I'm in I'm in a lot of Reddit groups that are very yeah. specific, like like the things that I put out. That's not what I'm consuming. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay. I'm, I got. I, hey, look. I understand. I understand. I got um, you. So yeah, I po you. it popped up. I looked at it. I, I I watched it, and then I started researching you. I found your Instagram, and I'm like, oh, this dude is, this this dude is smart. <laughs> I, I got you. And then you can't because because it, it's so funny. So many people have used that to have either one a reaction or to it's it's a strong way to divert as well to be like, look, you see what they're doing. You don't got to do that. We got a we got a method right here that you can you can you can come and work with. And I love that aspect of it too. It's so many like music marketing companies in the space that I'm in. It's like, we're doing it organic. Don't do it like focus. Come over here. <laughs> so I've been like, you know, it's the Coke versus Pepsi. And then a lot of these guys, this is what's funny, Otto. A lot of people that stress that they're doing this organic marketing, they'll come to me to help inflate the stats on the back end because this is a guaranteed way to make the numbers look like what they need to look like. So mm -hmm. I've been in trillion NDAs where I protect guys because I understand it's that way of living. Whereas me, I'm honest, right? I'd rather say that um, I'm playing baseball and I'm Barry Bonds and I'm on steroids and Roger Clement is on steroids and you guys want to enjoy the show. I'd rather do that instead of acting like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens did and turning their nose up against everybody and act like we were all crazy. I'd have just been like, look, you guys come to the games because you want to see us go long and you want to see Roger Clemens throw 100 miles per hour and you want me to, you know, this is what it is. Let's be honest. Let's be transparent. And it was funny how everybody looked at the evolution of baseball and how much of all of us enjoyed, you know, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. And then the method these guys used to put on that show, we all denounced them and demonized these guys and said they weren't Hall of Famers. For 10 years, nobody cared about baseball until these guys came around and did what they did. So I'm that's my space. I'm 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 Barry Bonds. We say, yeah, guys, I, I use steroids and I hit 73 home runs. I broke Hank Aaron's Hank Aaron's uh, uh record. And Babe Ruth, and you love me for it, so let's let's have that conversation. You know, it's that's kind of like I, how I look. I, that's a breath of fresh air. Most people don't aren't in their integrity, right? They're not living their authentic self. And I believe if you don't do that, you'll actually create more dis ease in your body. Like you'll start to feel sick. Yeah. Hell yeah, man! I, but you guys saying I'm 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 in an industry with everybody that like it's very very tough. Like put it like this. The bots and the automation, right? People are like, why would you ever buy the followers, the likes, the comments, the views? It starts off because Instagram's algorithm is trash because they want us to spend all this money on advertising within their platform. So if me and Otto have 100,000 followers, they're only showing 10,000 people our content. The other 90,000, me and Otto have to spend money on a boost or Instagram posts retargeting our following that we've already generated. All right, cool. This is ridiculous. So for me, I said, how can I hack the Explore page? I'll create life-changing, polarizing content that you can't find anywhere else. It's got to be the best 30 to 60 seconds a person can see because they don't know who you are. And I create that. I'm going to give you the best 30 seconds you got in your time. And you're going to spend it with us. 
but it's got to hit the explore page. So that's where the algorithm hacking came from, Otto, because why do I got all these thousands of followers and you guys are only showing one to five percent of my following my content? Yeah. So now my engagement is dependent on you guys' algorithm. No matter how good the content is, the quality, if I'm using captions, if I'm using your platform to edit, whatnot, oh, you guys are just being ridiculous. So they created the algorithms that forced a guy like myself to have to manipulate the algorithm to compete. Y'all did this. And of course, the major companies and corporations, they are able to capitalize off this because when they got throwaway advertising dollars and then they can go in and inflate statistics and everybody expects that because they're big corporations. Like the real conversation is that, look, man, Spotify created the first streaming farms because they got shareholders. So their platform has to look much larger than it really is for people to invest in it. So if they got 200 million users and it looks like they have 75 million more users than Apple Music, that's that's a headline. That's a PR moment, right? But the difference is Apple Music makes you pay $9.99 to listen to the music while Spotify is a free platform. Well, they're also monetizing off of free traffic. If you pay for the actual you know, uh, uh, membership auto, then there's no ads being served. Don't they make money from the advertisements? So they need to have hundreds of millions of people using their free platform to serve ads. Because if everybody was spending money for the platform and the premium version, there would be no ads to be served. There would be no advertisers. So the entire setup in the business model was a contradiction. And when people were against what I was doing, they weren't looking at it outside the box. You know, they were looking at it from a sheep standpoint. I'm like, bro, these guys have created a system that they're monetizing. They create the most fake users, the fake fake, fake playlists. They are, one, cleaning their money with their own system. So a you know, Universal advertises a million dollars and they get back that money some way, somehow through royalties. This is a way to keep that funnel going. If the artists don't have no say-so and no ownership, it doesn't matter what they do. Just give us your art. Shut up. Go perform these shows. We'll give you a little bit of an exposure. And a guy like myself is like, nah, man, I need a seat at the table and I'm going to make this work for me and my family. And then I'll reinvest when I can play that game with these guys. And they're like, he's broken the game. He's broken the system. I'm like, it's been broke. It's been broke. <laughs> it's been broke. I just found the 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 fissure. I found the I found the crack. If it was illegal, I would. I don't. I don't want. I don't, man, nobody wants to go to prison, bro. Like yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. If that's not the goal, the goal is not to commit a crime to make money and go to. That's not the goal. Of course, like as things change with crypto and certain regulations, if there are certain tax implications, you'll go and apply those. I don't. You get what I'm saying? You'll adjust accordingly as you go. Right. I'll adjust accordingly as I go. This started off, bro, with the concert tickets, right? So you got Taylor Swift and Beyonce and Jay-Z. Ticketmaster lists these, you know, tickets on their website for $40. It's called the early bird or the fire sale. And then they were buying back all of the tickets and relisting them on StubHub and third-party websites that they had ownership with. So when I came and did it, I had an unlimited credit card. I went to Beyonce's concert and bought 100 tickets for $100,000. Then I sold 50 of them for 200 grand. So I made $100,000 then I took my friends and family and let them sit on the front row, took 50 of them. So I had to spend 100. I'm like, yo, I'll just take everybody to the front row of Beyonce, make $100,000, let them sit front row and get the first class experience. Because I'm taking the same business model of Ticketmaster and Live Nation of buying the tickets and reselling them on another platform. Why not take a $50 ticket and resell it for $500, $1,000? Why not buy it January? and then relist it June 1st, the day of the concert, because people are going to go crazy because you created this urgency, just like with PlayStations and resell sites for sneakers and stuff like that. So that's why I sent you to Vice TV 
documentary I was on because it is black market, but it's a market that we didn't create. We haven't created this 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 black market. We've just benefited from it, but as an independent, we get scrutinized for so. And we speak about it because it's other people like us that don't want to feel alone. Since I've done that documentary, man, I got 50,000 DMs of people saying, I thought I was alone. <laughs> You're our Batman. I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm here, guys. And it's a lot that comes with that scrutiny. Dude, I, you're, you are singing to the choir. I mean, you know, I, cause I, I agree with you. I'm, I work in, a, in, in an industry that's very new. And so there's, they haven't even reg, they haven't even tried to regulate it yet in, in the classification yeah. setting because it's so complicated and it's so, so different. Um, but I, I, I agree. I think that like, as I use it, there are mechanisms and things that I'm using, of course, they're going to see, and they're going to, and they're going to go, Nope, can't use that anymore. And then you have to decide if you continue using it or not, or else you're, you know, going against the legal system. Um, but I, you know, you said black market. I think that's such an interesting statement because my opinion is that anything that is transacted outside of the public sector is considered black. Like it's a black market. And so it's basically all they're saying is black market is the private sector. That's all it is. But they want to make you afraid of it. They want to create the fear. Um, they even call it like the dark web, right? Like, don't go to the yep. dark web. And I've, yep. in my research, I've learned, you know what the dark web really is? The dark web is all, so every single device, like every phone, every computer has an IP address, right? You have a, a yep. thumbprint. So that address or that uh, connection to the internet is a node or like a transactional node of information. So when you connect to yep. the internet, you're supporting the flow of information for the whole thing. And so 90, it's something like 92% now, or probably a little bit more now, or, 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 or it's, uh, it's not as less as it, it, it used to be, but more than 92%, I would say, is um, it's not the central servers. It's the, so what makes up the internet? 92% is hard cables. So actual hard cables that are laid out and the devices that connect to the central yep. servers. The central servers that we all access that we call the internet, that's like less than 10% of the physical internet. Yeah. And so and so yeah. really, when, when they call it dark web, black market, they're talking about physical men and women wanting to do business with each other. That's it. That's all it is. Yep. 100%. And the methods that you'll see in the black market, they weren't created or invented by us. We just exploited them. That's it. That's, that's it. I tell everybody, I say, yo, I'm not the godfather of bias. I'm just famous for it. But it's like, look at this new world, man. Like I said, this chat GPT, unbelievable. Having many chat run all of my automations, man, for my click funnels. And, you know, people don't understand just having somebody book us on a calendar, right? I got Calendly and it's like having a workflow that's automated when I used to do this process manually, right? Send an email, send out the ebook, call the people, follow up text. It used to take so much time, bro. And now at a couple clicks of a buttons, man, I can build a list. I can send out the automations, the email, the follow-up. People get everything deliverables. They get, you know, satisfaction, uh, 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 questionnaires. And I'm like, I couldn't imagine a world that I had to live without automation, right? And now people forget when you call, you know, a credit card company, that's automation. Or, you know, when you get in your DoorDash and that process has happened, that's automation. Or when somebody's trying to hack into your account and they asking them if you're a real person, that's a bot asking you if you are a bot. Uh, you know, a, vo- think- a voicemail is an automation. <laughs> and he's like, 
you had a bot pick up the phone and take a message for you. <laughs> yeah, the early, the earliest bot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the coolest a, bot that we it know. It was a dumb, dumb AI, I, dumb AI. Yeah, the, the, the coolest ones we know. And now your phone listens to you and it geo-targets everything that you do. Like, <laughs> yeah. if me and Otto talk about golf clubs, I guarantee we go on Facebook, it's going to be $39.99 off on some brand new Tiger Woods golf clubs. Like, what about that invasion of privacy? What about every app you put on your phone? If you don't check the permissions of what's going on, it could be recording your phone and doing the stuff all day long. It's just, it's, it's crazy, man. I just got the new Ray-Ban glasses now, Otto. So I'm like walking around oh, with being the camera? all day long. I got the camera ones, man. And I, I wear them <laughs> and I don't know how to feel. Right now, it only records for a minute at a time. But when it starts to do 24 hours and it goes to like a cloud or something, game game over, man. You remember Sna Snapchat back in the day? This was like probably yeah. 2014, 15. They came out with one. I bought it. They had, okay. a, they had a vending machine that you could go. Uh, I was living in Santa Monica at the time. They had a vending machine right on the beach. And you just go up and you pay, like I think it was 120 bucks. They had their own, what? They had their own Snapchat glasses? Yeah, yeah. You put it on, it would connect via Bluetooth to the app. And then you could like Snapchat from your glasses. It, listen, you got this charge now with oh. the rays. And then oh, you those, lock those in. look way better. <laughs> and, and, and then you locked in, and then it's crazy because you HD and it's recording, and then you know Siri on. All right, put the so I feel like Iron Man. I'm on my I'm on my uh Robert Downey Jr. But that's that's where the game's gone, man. And our kids think think about it, right? My son uses an iPad, he's smarter than me at you know 11 years old. I thought I was a genius. Nah, the next generation, man. This is you know, people get robots, right? I got a friend, he works at Amazon. So Amazon has a new robots that are there now, right? And so think about people that's doing the holidays, want to be spending time with their family. As soon as they get these robots programmed, we won't need you any longer, guys. There will be oh, no seen, reason. Uh, is it those flat ones that are like just running yeah, around the floor, packages yeah, on top of them? Yeah. They got those and they got the ones that walk around now. So it'll be no reason for human error, right? That's what I kept telling people. I'm like, yo, you know, people that can control and pro program and automate the bots and Web development and codes, like those are going to be the people that have priority in life. The person that can fix the Tesla. Who's going to need a regular mechanic when they start to have the Tesla machines and the guys that can program the Tesla machines and everything becomes electric cars? So I'm here in Baltimore in 2025 or, or, or 2029, one of those two, they want all the cars in the city to be electric. So that's your buses and terminals and stuff like that. What happens when the buses have their own, you know, route? And then they take the Tesla software and they use satellites and they don't need a bus driver any longer. And it drives 25 miles per hour and those want to stop and the person's coming. And man, listen, Otto, you and I know where the world is going, bro. That iRobot with Will Smith movie came out 20 years ago. We were there 20 years ago, bro. My uncle worked for IBM, bro, at Watson. So I've been that kid since birth that was like, look, I want to be into this space. He's been looking at automation and you know, uh, a, a robot man since 1970. He's been telling me it was coming. So now coming to fruition, he's 75 years old and his car drives itself. Imagine being born in 1950s and now you got a Tesla and you say, I want to go, you know, to, to the National Harbor in DC and you can just sit back in your car and, and, and text and, and answer emails. Like nobody from the 1950s thought they would see this day, but he did. And now here we are, bro. My, you know, my uncle 75 just having a, a, a ball. Cause now, it's now, like, now he's it's now he's just, just like, is he every day just like I told you so? <laughs> Yo, bro, they got the Tesla, the Tesla, like you talk to it, it dances, it opens up, it does all types of music and stuff. So it's like, man, I I enjoy it, bro. But I know for those that didn't see it, that weren't prepared for it, how 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 terrifying technology must be.
And for certain people that are like I said, tech guys and nerds like me and yourself, bro, we're extremely excited. And we also know that we got to stay on the cutting edge because we can get left behind. We can, we can be a couple semesters too late and it won't be good for us. Or, or worse, you can get sucked into it as the product <laughs> and then yeah. and then you're effed <laughs> yeah then it's then it's then it's over man but it's a it's a it's a healthy balance bro and i still like i said i still like to deplug from the matrix that's what i like to say i'll turn the phone off put on do not disturb bro go out and get some rest still work out you know stuff like that bro still spend time with the family do the sunday dinners family reunions like still didn't kept that perspective where it needs to be at right and uh, I tell people, man, they, they 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 think the funny line is when I'm like, yo, this is the Matrix and I'm Neo. I felt that and I believed it because I seen it. And I want more people to be conscious and understanding what they're doing when they come on this device, right? You got to de-plug, unplug, or, or plug in and, 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 and be fully equipped. I'd rather you be fully equipped and know what's going on and be, you know, naive. Mm. Ah, this is great. I love this. I have two more questions and then we can yeah. um, we can call it. Um, what would you say is the one regret that you have, if any? Oh man, sure. Not talking to Otto twelve years ago. Um, <laughs> you know, bro. I will say this, right? Um, that's a good question, man. My my one regret, bro, was having the finances, but not seeking the correct advice meaning to be making the type of money i was making in my early 20s and not having a lawyer on retainer not having an accountant right some of those important things that we just don't stress not realizing how important you know credit was it's like three things bro that i looked at in my 20s and i'm like bro i generated millions of dollars and got to the age of 30 and owed millions of dollars this is how does this is backwards but that's the type of things that you wish you put the right people in your corner. So as I get older now, I tell guys like, bro, the things that you don't think about investing in, like your copyrights, your trademarks, your LLCs, having a silent accountant, a tax attorney, and then an attorney in business or whatever you're going to be in, bro, those might be the most important investments before that nice car, before that nice Rolex, before you get a home, because now you're protecting yourself and your investments, right? Why do I learn about a trust? when in a irrevocable trust when I turn 35 instead of 20, when I'm making, you get what I'm saying, a ridiculous amount of money plus backends and commissions and how to protect my kids and what a will should look like and how to take insurances. Like it's a lot of stuff like that. I don't just, just the due diligence to understand what it means to be in business and be an entrepreneur. It's not just about learning. It's also learning to do the right things and protect yourself and to take the right precautions. So I regret not knowing and not taking the right precautions, bro, and not answering certain questions because we're very smart guys and we know we get answers by asking certain questions. I also stayed away from asking those certain questions too because I didn't want to know the answers, bro. Mm -hmm. Who wants to go talk to an accountant that'll tell you like, yo, that million dollars is really $400,000, right? We work so hard to see seven figures. So when somebody tells us, no, nah, it's really like 400 grand and maybe less than that after you pay for this, that, and that, this, that, and that, it's really... $220,000 if that nobody is really thinks they're prepared for that conversation and I think that's why a lot of pro athletes and entertainers and politicians and trust fund babies that's why they really struggle because those are the hard mature decisions and conversations that nobody really wants to have man hmm. you know um, uh, I love this conversation and I think it's so important 
especially for men right now, because I feel like it's easy to, um, to succumb to failure in this reality. Like it's not enough to, to, to just do the thing we're supposed to do. Um, and so like, I, just to compound on that, you know, it's, it's, um, there's that saying, if you want to go fast, do it alone. If you want to go far, do it with others, do it, do it in a team. So it's like, we have to let go of this lone wolf mentality. It's like, I can do it on my own. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to grind it. I'm going to hustle. And it's like, guys, yes, hustling is great when it comes to being the conqueror energy, but it's, it's also good or better to be with others that will create that support. One wild note for you too, Ivan. This was crazy. I did have an entertainment lawyer and this is how wild it was. I thought it was, he was referred to me by a family friend. We were extremely close. I come to find out that my entertainment lawyer has been disbarred for three years for embezzling money from one of his clients out of escrow account. And the entire time he's giving me mentorship and advice that's outdated and wrong. So it's like stuff like that, that you can go through. Right. And I always think about those wild horror stories when people are talking about their accountant or their financial advisor that made them do some terrible real estate deal or they lost this money and that money. So also good people are hard to find. And that trial and error is something that I felt like I had less control over than the personal self-control that we get now. Right. And so building my business credit and financials and independent credit, it took me sending my own dispute letters and, and, and signing up my own net thirties and filing my own taxes to be like, I don't, you get what I'm saying? So that personal struggle is tough, man. And it's tough because good people are hard to find. So it's, it's always easier said than done. And what I want to be for my son is look, pop already been there. These are the resources that you can trust. And that's why I built my own community because I don't want people to go through the same things I went through. And I feel like it would be selfish for me to fast track myself to a better space in life and not help other people that were looking for somebody to be a leader and to be a mentor. And I wish I had that. So to, to, to neglect them from having that because I'm spiteful that I didn't, I think that's the biggest thing that we all are trying to overcome as well. Man, thank you so much. Chad, for this conversation is such powerful conversation. I feel like the people are going to listen to this and they're going to really, and I mean, I, I guess you're, I guess you've listened to it and you're here at the end. You've enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm talking as if like we're doing a, um, like an announcement. Or something. Yeah, um, thank you, Chad. Uh, if you guys want to connect with Chad, uh, his Instagram is I am Chad Arrington and that's Arrington with two R's, A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N. Yes, and then your website is chadfocus.com or focusmusicuniversity.com. Uh, is there, is there something, a piece of advice? Oh, well, let me ask it this way. You're standing in front of a million people. You have a yeah. few minutes to leave them with something that is going to be what they remember you by. What would you say? Yeah, sure. I, I'll leave it with this. Um, the one reason why I call myself Chad Focus, man, is because I started off... Uh, very ambitious man and, and locked and loaded on, on the goals that I wanted to accomplish. And um, what, what FOCUS stands for, guys, is follow one course until successful. And I think if we focus on putting 100% into that one thing that we believe in, as me and you talked about early on, Idol, and really grinding out until that one thing becomes the reality, we'll be in a best, much better place. And um, I'll spread myself thin before I've put, you know, my 100% in the five different places, which became 20% in those five different places. So if I could go back and I would tell anybody, man, you know, you know, focus on, on, on that one thing, follow that one course until successful. And uh, even if it's not successful, as long as you don't give up, you didn't fail, you learn, 
right? We keep it pushing, man. So that that's the that's the best thing that I can tell everybody, man. Like, you know, put put all your energy in that one thing you really believe in and this won't work out for you. Ah, love that. Where energy flows, focus goes. Where focus goes, go. abundance flows. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that last part up. It's all good. The, the first, hey, the first part was Tony to Robbins. Deal, Otto. We got to sign you to a record deal, man. Bring you to the other side, man. <laughs> all right, brother. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. This is so great. And um, let's What's connect up? again for an IG Live, and then we can like promote it and talk about it in the week that it comes out. I don't love, man. I appreciate you, man. Enjoy your afternoon. I'm about to go get the kids, man. Do daddy mode, man. All right, brother. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. God bless. God bless.